I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And today I want us to turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Matthew is located, what I would encourage you to do is if you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents. There you're going to find that the Bible's broken up into two main sections, the Old and the New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So find the New Testament, Matthew, go to that page and then flip through and until you get to chapter 25. Now, if you're in an app, just simply pull down a, the list of the books of the Bible. You'll find that Matthew is about two thirds of the way down that list. Uh, find Matthew and select chapter 25 and you'll be right where you need to be. Now, today I wanna open up with a question. What excuses have you used in the past for not serving the way Jesus calls you to serve, for not doing the things that Jesus calls you to do? Maybe a more specific question would be, what excuses are you making in the midst of COVID, this pandemic? What excuses have you made recently to not do the right thing or not serve the way Jesus has called you to serve? I wanna tell you a story briefly about, uh, that, that illustrates just how flimsy our excuses are. Uh, Many, many months ago, as a matter of fact, well before COVID ever hit, uh, we had a couple of people uh, in a nursing home. One of them worked at the nursing home and one of them lived there. And these two people began loving on and serving and encouraging and praying for an elderly couple that lived in this nursing home. Uh, they would invite them to church and for, for various reasons, this couple never actually physically attended our church. And then COVID hit. And the, the person that worked at this nursing home was laid off and the person who lived at the nursing home was isolated to his room. He was, he was not allowed to leave under any circumstances. And so was this elderly couple. They were isolated. They were locked away in their room to keep them safe. But that did not stop these two people from continuing to serve this elderly couple. They continued to reach out and encourage and pray for them and invited them to our online service here. And one day that elderly couple decided to join us. They watched the online service with us. And then they watched the next Sunday. And then they watched the Sunday after that and they kept watching and did not miss a single Sunday morning service. Eventually, they realized that they needed to get Bibles because I say every single Sunday, open your Bibles too. And so they went and bought Bibles. They ordered them online, had them delivered to the nursing home and they had Bibles that they could read. And a few months later, the husband, Phil, proclaimed his belief in Jesus. He became a follower of Jesus. And then just last month, Phil passed away. And Phil is now in eternity with Jesus. And do you know why Phil is in eternity? Do you know why Phil's eternal existence was rescued from his sins? Because two followers of Jesus refused to sit back and make excuses. And instead, they saw the situation in front of them and continued to serve Jesus. They continued to use the resources, the talents, and the influence that Jesus gave them, and they served. That's why we have a new member in heaven, a new person 
who will exist in eternity with Jesus instead of existing in eternity in suffering. Have you ever thought about what you do to serve Jesus? Well, Jesus gets pretty blunt about that in today's passage. So now's the time I want you to take your Bibles and open up to the passage that I told you about, Matthew chapter 25. And we're actually going to begin in verse 14. So Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Now, as you're turning there and finding that verse, let me give you some background on what Jesus has taught up to this point. Up to this point, Jesus has let us know that things are going to get bad for his followers. He has promised that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you will be persecuted. That just as they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute you and I as his followers. But he's also given us hope that he's going to come again and he is going to redeem all things. He has ensured that he is in complete control as we talked about a couple of months or a couple of weeks ago. But he also makes it very clear that his coming is going to be basically a surprise. No one's going to know. No one's going to see it coming. And encourages us instead to simply be ready, to live our lives for him so that no matter when he comes, we're ready for him. And then in chapter 25, where we're at uh, right now, he tells us three parables uh, describing what it means to be ready. And, and I want to read today the middle parable, the second of the three. And so will you look with me now in verse 14? This is Jesus speaking, and he says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also the one who had two talents made two more. But the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time had passed, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. Now I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward and said, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I've made two more. And his master said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you have scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here is what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, 
You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with at least a little interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and be cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, what a, what a hard-hitting, blunt, uh, very honest passage, a teaching from Jesus. You see, this is called a parable. A parable is a story that Jesus would tell that has a much deeper spiritual meaning. And today's parable tells us that Jesus wants us to be ready and he will have us given an, an account for how we have invested the resources that God has given us, whether they be physical resources or immaterial or spiritual or mental, whatever it may be, God's going to want an accounting of how we've used his resources. And this brings me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched one of my messages, you know that I usually give uh, a simple statement that kind of summarizes that week's main point. And today's big idea is this. Serving is commendable and laziness condemnable. Let me say that again. Serving is commendable and laziness condemnable. You see, serving is one of the core values here at First Southern. We are committed to selflessly serving God and others in the church, in the community, and in the world. That is something that we as a church are committed to live out. And so how does today's parable teach us about this big idea that serving is commendable and laziness is condemnable? Well, I want to point out a few things. So look with me in verse 14. Very first verse of the passage that we read today. It says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. You see, I want you to be very clear in understanding that God gives us all that we have. If you go and read various passages throughout the Bible, you'll find that God teaches that he owns everything. Exodus 19, Deuteronomy chapters 8 and 10, Job 41, Psalms 24 and 50, Haggai chapter 2, 1 Timothy 6, James 1, and so many more. There are so many passages that teach us that everything in the universe belongs to God. It is owned by Him. Even our abilities to do our jobs or everyday tasks are gifts from God. Listen to what Deuteronomy 8 verses 17 through 18 says. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. It says this, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. You see, even our ability to work and to make money is a gift from God. It's not something from ourselves. We are simply stewards 
of all the things he's given us. You see, your bank account, every penny you have, your retirement account, your car, your house, even your friends and your family, they belong to God. And they are on loan to us. We are stewards of things that don't belong to us. And God simply asks that as stewards, we do good things with what he's given us. We use them properly for his purposes. We don't abuse them and we certainly don't waste them. So look now in verse 15, the very next verse. It says, to the one he gave five talents and to another two and to another one, to each according to his ability. You see, the point I wanna make here is that God doesn't give everyone the same things or even the same amounts of things. You see, to one person, he may give uh, physical blessings, to another mental or to another spiritual, or to one, maybe a mixture of all of those. We are all gifted in different ways. God has given us all different resources. And he's, all, he's given each of us different amounts of the resources that we have. But let me be very clear. Every resource that we have from the Lord is immeasurably valuable. A talent in this day and time was a massive amount of money. It was very valuable. It wasn't chump change. The fact of the matter is, is that God gives us what he sees that we need. 1 Corinthians 12 actually tells us that God gives the spiritual gifts, including talents, to each of us as he sees fit for his purposes. Some get more, some get less. That's, that's just the way it works. And so don't ever look at someone else and envy what they have. Be content, be happy with what God's given you and look for the ways that he's asking you to use what he's given you. Which leads to the last thing that I wanna point out. If you were to continue reading from verses 19 to 27, you would find that God rewards productivity and condemns waste. Think back to the big idea. Serving is commendable and laziness condemnable. You see, if you go back and look at the conversation that these four people have, the master and his three servants. He condemns the last one, but commends the first two. Why? The first two took the resources that God gave them and they multiplied them. They used them for him. They used them for the purpose that the master had set in front of them. But the last one was so full of fear and was so lazy that he buried it in the ground and did absolutely nothing with what the master had given him. You see, it may sound weird and it may have the, the tone of like a, a business exchange, but, but I need you to hear this clearly. God expects that we use what he's given us. We leave the results to God. Please understand me. If you continue reading, especially throughout the New Testament, you're gonna find that, that the results of the ways we use God's resources, God gives the results, not us. 
It's our job, our role to simply use the resources that he's given us. But also, if you continue reading throughout the Bible, you're also going to find that if we're using God's resources, uh, we will, what the Bible calls, produce fruit. There will be results if we're using God's resources for him. God will bless us in that. And there's a couple things I want you to notice with this. The first one is this, laziness and fear make us stupid. Look with me in verse 25. Look at the response of the wicked servant. It says this, this is the wicked servant speaking. He says, so I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. So here, have what is yours. The wicked servant, the lazy servant had been overcome by fear. But I think we get overcome by comfort too. We get into our easy living. We, we get consumed by playing and going and doing uh, things that are leisurely and living in luxury and comfort. And we squander the resources that God's given us, whether it be money or time or talents and gifts, whatever it may be, our laziness, our comfort, our desire for comfort and our fear leads us to make stupid decisions and you'd not use God's resources. If we're constantly afraid, if we're constantly seeking comfort rather than God's will, we can't live in Jesus's purpose for our lives. It's just not possible. So the first thing I want you to notice in the way that the master responds to the servants is that laziness and fear make us stupid. But the second thing I want you to notice is that faithfulness is serving. It's not maintaining the status quo. If you believe in Jesus, it means that you will go serve him. It's kind of like a math equation. If you take Jesus and belief and you add those things together, it's going to result in serving him, in doing good things, in using your resources, your influence to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. That's how it works. If you're not serving, then something is missing over here. Either you don't know Jesus or you don't have faith in him. Jesus plus faith in him will always lead to us doing good things and serving him, always. But sometimes our laziness and our fear and our seeking comfort and leisure will get in the way of that. See, holding on to what we have, not using what we have is the opposite of what God's will is for our lives. He calls each and every one of us to love radically and serve sacrificially. So when's the last time that you were radical in your love, extreme with the way you love God and love others? When was the last time you truly sacrificed where you gave or you served with your time or your talents and it was truly a sacrifice on your part. He calls us to love radically and serve sacrificially. So 
This goes back to the big idea. Serving is commendable and laziness is condemnable. So go and serve. That's the point of what Jesus is calling us to in today's passage. The point is find what your talents, your gifts, your resources, your influence is and go use it for him. So that leads to how do we do that? How do we apply what today's passage teaches us? Well, I think the question that we need to narrow down is how do we invest all that God has given us? I'm gonna give you a few ways that you can do that. First is support ministries that are truly making a difference. Uh, that could be um, any number of ministries, but, but the point is don't just throw your money at anything that comes across your path. Uh, if, if you want to make a difference with the resources that God has given you, uh, look for those that, uh, ministries that have accountability around them and have results and are doing amazing work. Uh, you know, don't just give money to the Nigerian prince that sends you an email. Instead, make sure that the ministry you are donating to is truly making a difference in the world around you. If you're not sure how to do that, support the ministries here at First Southern and the missionaries and church planters uh, and, and nonprofit organizations that we support, that we've vetted and made sure that they are truly making a massive difference in the name of Jesus. You see, it's a waste for us to invest in something that is not producing God's fruit. We're called to do that. So when you go and support ministries, make sure that they are ministries that are making a difference. So that's the first way that we can invest what God has given us. The second thing that we can do to invest what God has given us is to value people over profit. Value people over profit. Value people more than a business exchange. Value people more than something that brings you a financial or physical return. Instead, just love people. Value people. You see, relationships make a difference. Not stuff. Stuff is gonna come and go in your life and ultimately your stuff will not go with you to eternity. Your stuff is not eternal. But relationships are. You see, you can value people and when you value and love people, you will have a desire deep down inside of you to serve them and love them and lead them to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. So, the first way that we can invest what God has given us is support the ministries that make a difference. The second one is value people more than profit. And the third one is use your time, ability, and influence for God. Maybe some of us need to sit down and we need to tally up. We need to make a list of what God's blessed us with. You know, for some people, for some of you watching, maybe you've got a lot of time on your hands. Maybe you're retired um, and you've got time to spend uh, praying for people or calling people and encouraging, encouraging them or uh, inviting them to church. Maybe you've got financial resources and you could help those who are in need, uh, support churches, not just here for Southern, but all over the world, supporting missionaries and church plants. 
nonprofit organizations that are making a difference in the lives of needy people or, or foster care ministry or whatever it may be. You see, we have so many gifts. Some of you have talents uh, that you could use for the Lord here at First Southern or somewhere in your community. But, but more than anything, I think we ha- all have influence. We all know people. We all bump into people at the grocery store. Maybe not as much as we did a year ago, but we still have influence. And are you using that influence to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus? Are you telling people about him? Are you sharing what God's done in your life? Are you inviting them to church, whether here online or in person here at First Southern? You can use your influence to lead people to Jesus. You see, God has given us everything we have and we should use it, not waste it. We've been in a crazy year. Let's be honest, the last 12 months have been like nothing anyone's ever seen. But the truth of the matter is, is we're still kind of in the middle of all of it. We're still kind of going through the process of moving through this pandemic. And there will be a, 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 a leveling, there will be a, a point somewhere down the line, the experts are saying it could be sooner rather than later, where the numbers bottom out and people get vaccinated and it, it becomes much safer to go out and to, to be in public again, to go to church. We're coming to the point where we need to ask, when am I going to start serving again? When am I going to serve in my community? When am I gonna serve in my church? When am I gonna serve and help people and ministries around the world? I want to ask if you've thought about when you're ready to come back to serving Jesus. Have you sat and thought about what your requirements are for coming back? For some of you, it may be the vaccine, getting vaccinated. For some of you, it may be the number, numbers of cases or, or, or positive tests or deaths or whatever needs to drop below this number. But have you stopped and asked when that is going to happen, what those requirements are for you? Please hear me, I'm not saying that you need to get out and go right now. What I'm saying is I, I simply want all of us to stop and think, when do I feel like God is telling me it's time to go and serve? When do I feel like God is saying it's okay for me to get back out? You see, there are so many ways that we can serve our Lord and Savior Jesus. There are so many ways that we can go and make a difference in the lives of others. You know, just here at First Southern, uh, we've got children's ministry, students, our teenagers, young adults, men's, women's, uh, small groups. We're gonna start up new small groups in the coming months. Uh, you know, worship ministry, uh, office assistance, and, and so much more. There's so many ways that you can actively serve in the church. 
There's so many ways you can serve in the community. Uh, new uh, or, or nonprofits and homeless shelters, et cetera, they're beginning the process of opening up to volunteers again. Uh, just here at First Southern, uh, our Homeless Respite Center, which meets every Thursday, uh, is going to start accepting volunteer time. And we're going to have trainings here at our church to prepare you and qualify you to be able to serve in this amazing opportunity to help our homeless community. But will you be ready? What are the requirements for you? You see, it's not about where you serve. It's not even about how you serve. It's that you're serving. It's that you're doing what Jesus calls you to do. You see, as a follower of Jesus, sitting back and burying our talents in the ground is not an option. I can tell you right now that had that employee and that resident at that nursing home here in Scottsdale, had they sat back and buried the resources that God had given them, had they buried them in the ground, there would be a man who had passed away this last month who did not know Jesus. But the fact of the matter is that they saw what God was doing. And despite the difficulty and the challenges ahead, they continued to serve. And they ultimately made the most radical, most important difference in the life of that man, in Phil's life. And Phil is spending eternity with Jesus because they didn't sit back and bury their talents in the ground. When will you get back to serving your Savior? Maybe even the question needs to be, what do you need to be doing right now to serve your Savior? At home, if you're not getting out yet, okay, great. There's still ways you can serve your Savior. There are ways that you can lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. So what are you doing? Will you be commended for your love and serving or condemned for your laziness and fear? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you for today. We praise you for who you are. And we thank you for every blessing, every gift, every talent, every resource that you've given us. And we pray, Lord, that we would be good stewards of what you've given. That we would not bury them in the ground, but instead we would use them to multiply your work on this earth. So use us. Open our minds, our eyes, our hearts to see the ways that you are calling us to serve. Lead us and guide us in this. Help us to not ba sit back in our laziness and our seeking of comfort and leisure and our fear. Help us to not sit back in those things and squander what you've given us. Help us to live for you. We thank you, Lord, and we lift all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.